Oh, yes. This is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Bam. And we're live. And I'm excited about this one. I'm excited because this is going to be one of those like meta cool podcasts. We're going to be talking about content. We're going to be talking about podcasting on a podcast. And my guest is freaking cool. He is a B2B growth strategist. He is a marketer. He is a marketing hacker, a podcaster, a podcast strategist. So right there, we're going to geek out for a couple hours. Entrepreneur with a really cool way of doing things, very efficient in all of that. And he is the CEO and chief interviewer of Call for Content. Michael Greenberg, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, Casey. How about yourself? Good, good. I'm stoked. It's uh, Thursday, at least where we're at. And we're going to be talking about all of my favorite subjects, content, podcasting, marketing. It's like a marketing palooza over here. So let me pass this to you. This is Thor's hammer. So go ahead and take that and Thank smash you. for me some kind of bogus marketing strategy, some myth that whatever drives you the most crazy. Starting with a blog. Starting with a blog as in don't, don't, don't do, do it. it. It's the apps. Blogs are the worst thing of all content options that you could start with. Really? they're the easiest to repurpose from anything else. If you're starting with video, transcribing that video, turning into a blog, easy. And then you post the video in it, you've already got some frames to freeze. It all comes together. Right. Podcasts, my personal favorite. If you do one podcast with a good expert as an interview, that could be two or three blog posts right there. Right, like you. And so th this could yeah. be several blog posts worth of cool content. Yeah, I mean, I think we'll have a full ebook after this. Oh, hell yeah, let's do it. What do we need for an ebook? How, how long do we have to talk for that? So my, the rule I go by is about an hour. Okay. Um, that's that's going to get you probably about two, 3,000 word ebook, so not too long. Oh, wow. Um, but people it's pretty intense hour though, huh? Yeah, people speak at about 150 words per minute. What? Uh, so if you're a fast talker, that could be two or 300. And when you start thinking in those terms, you're getting 10 to 15,000 words potentially in an hour of deep interview. You, you, there's a lot of ums though, I imagine. You got to strip those out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And really what I like to do is I take the transcript and then we have an outline and normally we have the outline before the transcript. So we build an outline and then we do the interview or we do the discussion. Okay. And then that lets us really easily port it other, over to other content formats because we already have the outline of the base content. Got it. So this outline, how deep do you go in that outline? I mean, you Two don't script levels. it. What's that? Two or three levels. Okay. Uh, so generally, I'll have topical headings, then interview questions underneath, and maybe some bullets underneath those interview questions. I like to keep the questions open-ended. So topical headings, uh, questions, 
and then some bullets, some supporting bullets for follow on questions after that. Yep. That's cool. This is cool too. Cause I, I can even step up my prep game because I've got, I've got some topical headings and every now and then I get some questions. Mostly I have bullets. So I, I could even kind of restructure, but I think the the value here though is the more, more planning and prep you put into that first thing, the easier it is to get, turn it into all the other pieces of content. Exactly. And you really want to talk, you want to have speech, be it video or audio as your first piece, just because you get so much more in the amount of time that you're working. Right. It's all, it's some, for some people it's easier to do. Like for me, I'll talk to you all day, right? Writing a formal letter to you back and forth all day is, takes a little more effort, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it really does. So don't start with a blog, but you know, don't you have like HubSpot and inbound marketing and they're just like blog, 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 of course, buy our blog, then blog all yeah. day long every day. That, and that first part is pretty important. <laughs> is, 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 that, is that just what it is? Like, hey, use our system so you're stuck on it versus necessarily it's the best thing for you? Or um, to, be, to be fair, though, prior to that, would you have just no content or you would have late, like the, you know, the occasional white paper every nine months? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it goes back to technological change. Okay. So bandwidth has increased. Yep. So audio and video are now much more widely consumed. And five years ago, that was not the case in the same way. Ten Got years it. ago, it was impossible. Got it. So don't hate on HubSpot too much. Back then, that, that was the, the tool du jour. You had to blog because, you know, video was going to cost you a fortune and, and gigabytes of bandwidth. Yeah, and most people weren't even going to be able to get it. You know, yeah. They're not watching it on their phones like today. Mobile video is a big part of the video playbook. That makes sense. I mean, I'm on YouTube watching videos all day long. Not all day long, but all night long sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and YouTube's a huge audio channel too, which is, really? yeah, one thing that I think a lot of people discount is a much of long-form video is current consumed as audio so you put on that hour-long video in the background right you do some other things and then you switch back to it when something piques your interest like this show exactly and until i do something weird like oh my gosh I, that's amazing behind you right now <laughs> people are like i just listen to this thing like what's behind him what's behind michael right now <laughs> yeah there's, really? there's actually a painting um that you can't see really it's like an invisible painting or maybe it's covered with like a harry potter invisibility cloak or yeah or it's like a foot out of your line of sight oh is it on bottom <laughs> see now we're talking about this painting people are like wait i want to check this thing out there but, but you're right i mean our shows on on youtube as well as on all the other audio channels and that's just for the people that want to see my fantastic radio face you know or or see the interaction between us I, I, it's much more fun chatting with you when you can, they can see facial expressions and you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Huh. Okay. So don't start with a blog, start with a podcast. I really like podcasts. Uh, obviously I've made my whole company about them now. 
Yeah, well, uh, I love them too. So you don't have to twist my arm. But like, trying to think of, you know, if we're telling this to everyone, and you know, mostly listening to this right now are B two B marketers in North America, and some really cool realtors, and some really cool parents of mine, and a few you know different people everywhere else. A couple B two C marketers, some salespeople. But if we're telling them start with a podcast, where where do you start with that? So uh, let's let's talk B two B. Because okay. that's my favorite. Yeah, me too. Um, if you're starting with a podcast and you're starting in B2B with a podcast, the first thing to think about is your business personas, who you're going after. Okay. And that will help inform the decision on who you're going to interview for the show. Because developing a show where you're interviewing people for lead gen and prospecting versus partnerships could be a very different angle interesting um that's really deliberate and intentional and something i hadn't quite thought of the idea of what kind of guests do you even want to have on this or what kind of people should be listening to this and the type of people you invite matter yeah as much as your audience well we're not even to audience yet Oh, no, we're not even there. We're just talking about who you're, the guest or just your yeah. persona? So we're just talking about, at this point, the business um, okay. and your, your targeting within okay. it. Because then what you want to look at is you've got guests and you've got audience and either or both can be used to do lead generation okay so you could have on people who would be a good fit uh for your business and use that to initiate those relationships true that works really well with enterprise and with middle market okay um or you could be developing a show where you're more likely to have on good potential partners and you're really developing the show for an audience of potential prospects. Gosh, you have potential partners and then your audience could be your prospects. Yeah. Huh. And you can can customize all of that and design that specifically for those purposes. Exactly. And you might want model pool shows. Like call for content, we're putting out our first two podcasts as a as call for content this year. One of them is going to be focused on partnerships. One of them is going to be focused on lead generation. Oh, you're gonna do two separate podcasts. Yeah, and we're gonna two different audiences and two different angles and approaches. Exactly. Wow, taking it even deeper, taking it a little more advanced level. You know, oh, you got one podcast. How many podcasts do you have? You know, it's like how many blogs. Initially, you have one blog, and you're just happy to have one. Eventually, you have multiple ones. But in this case, it's like start with one podcast. Maybe you, you add on a couple different other ones. Yeah. And we're actually – so one of them is going to be a weekly show. Okay. And the other one's going to be seasonal. Really? Okay. So I really like the season drop because it, you get to plan your marketing and promotion of it much more effectively you know you've got say 10 episodes yeah so you're planning your whole content arc before it drops 
tell me about more about this because I, I think I get the idea of a weekly show. And that's what this one is. But what is the seasonal show? What are these drops you're talking about? Yeah. So think of it like a new Netflix show. Okay. Um, you're going to get that whole bingeable season what at once. What are you listening to right now on Netflix? So I just start. Yeah, I just started the second season of She's Gotta Have It. Okay. Uh, it's Spike Lee. Oh, okay, um, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's good. I enjoy it. Okay. All right. So that a season, right? It has a start as a stop. Hopefully it's not as atrocious as the Game of Thrones ending that just occurred, the travesty of that. Yeah, I mean that's not the real ending. So I've got it can't books. Be the real ending. I mean I th- there's no way George R. R. Martin would write that. No, he, he would much rather murder everyone than to have a happy ending like that. Just be so, yeah, spoiler yeah. alert. <laughs> little, yeah, little late now for you that have one. to get the books because the HBO just totally butchered it after seven beautiful seasons. They had to just go and just, but anyways, don't do what HBO did. Do instead what Netflix is doing. Okay, and so a podcast that has a, how many, how many episodes in a season would you, a podcast season? I'd go anywhere between eight and 12 for okay. most things. I think that's a good number. And it, that'll give you enough room to work, but it won't give you so much that you're grasping at straws to mm. try to fill that space. Like, what do we talk about? Let's get on this thing and just hang out. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So you have a particular plan for show. It kind of reminds me of that podcast, Serial. Did you ever listen to that one? Yeah. I mean, well, the first season at least. That is a seasonal, right? Yeah. Like they drop seasons of shows. There's a reason why a lot of the big networks moved to that model. Right. For right. podcasts. And it was different because it wasn't like a Joe Rogan where every day was a different guy or gal on the show. It was this, this plotted season of, okay, we're going to investigate this crime and did so-and-so do it next season. Next episode, we're going to talk to his parents and see what they said. You know, it was very captivating. I mean, serial took off. Yeah. It has a narrative arc. Narrative arc. Okay, cool. Can you you accomplish that in a B2B world? Oh yeah. So if you want to, I don't want to give away everything. Uh Yes. The the spoilers. Just let's up your season. Yeah. What's your season about? So it's about the business of podcasting. So cool. looking at the behind the scenes, people who work in podcasting and don't have a podcast. Huh. So what's the producer at a network doing? How do they interact with their ads and sponsorship dollars? Interesting. What's a small B2B show look like? And what is, what's the production company behind that doing? Right. How are how is the podcasting industry taking shape? And so we can look at the little guys and the big guys, and the way we position those episodes will be able to create a discussion around different concepts. Okay. Even if people aren't actually speaking with each other. Okay, because you're you're kind of tying it all together. Right. We can, by planning everything before we start, we're able to really interweave the talking points between episodes. Huh. And 
to layer in a little technical for you. We use a very similar process when we're doing our SEO planning to weave in SEO into the content we're developing from podcasting. Jeez. Here I thought I was just getting on a thing and just chit-chatting with people. No, no, no. There's, there's so much more layers to it. It's like you're kind of exposing me to the behind the scenes at Disney World that I had no idea what was happening. Uh, to hear that from an experienced marketer warms my heart. Yes. yes. <laughs> I'm here all day. I'll, I'll just keep warming it like an easy bake oven. <laughs> Perfect. So, you know, that, that might be the bridge I was, I was looking for because, you know, one of the things I was thinking about was webinars and, you know, webinars, maybe there's a certain number of them you want to do and they don't go on forever, but there's a certain start and a stop and, and well, you don't want to do them as a webinar. Maybe you want to do it as a podcast, but like, can you do it that way? And I hadn't even thought the idea of like a seasonal podcast with a start and a stop, but then tying the, the, I think the arc would be really, how do you, you know, any approach to that? How do you, how do you kind of tie them all together so that from a big picture? Yeah. So I like to think, well, I'm a big repurposing guy. Yeah, it sounds so it. So I'm building a season there's going to be a download associated with it. It's probably going to be an ebook or two or three about oh, the season. Got it. And so then I'm planning the outlines for those in tandem with the outline for the season. And we might have a 12 page document that goes through. Here's what we're looking for in number one. Here's what we're looking for in number two. Interesting. Here's the pieces from different episodes we're trying to pull out to do this. And then when somebody sits down to actually do the interviews, they're armed with all that knowledge. Right. And they know where they're trying to take that. Right. Would you, would it be a faux pas to do a screen share on a podcast? Can you do that? Or does that become a webinar? It, it, what, like I, what, what specifically does, defines a webinar versus a podcast episode? You know, so I think for podcast, you want to assume it's going to be only streaming audio. Really? Even though in the world, the video, well, it's true. I mean, like 50 people will watch this, but like a bajillion are going to listen to it. So I guess that that's your point, right? Is it most people yeah. will listen? Plan. So you plan for one, but can repurpose as another. Uh, plan for one, repurpose as another. Okay. I'm like talking to Yoda here. Plan for one, you must repurpose after it, you will. So you plan for one, then you repurpose from there. Yeah, you should see our SOPs. There's just ellipses everywhere. Like five words ellipse, five words ellipse. Really? Oh, like, yeah. Um, I mean, everywhere? the sales script that I, the sales scripts we use are literally have listen, and count to five in it uh, just as the reminder all throughout. Before saying anything. Yeah. Whenever somebody takes a pause, listen, count to five before response. Because half the time, somebody will just start talking again. That's true. I've definitely experienced that. But it's, it's long as you're comfortable and I'm confident maybe to be okay with the silence, then it'll happen afterward. You know, someone yeah. will say something. 
Yeah. And you know, from interviews that that's, that's one of the best ways to get a guest talking. Right. Right. Maybe I'll just start trying that on you now. <laughs> just stop talking and I'll, I'll be forced to fill it. Yeah, I'm <laughs> just trying working already. <laughs> we're just we're just sitting here staring at each other. People in their in their car, you know, commuting uh, to work. Like, what just happened right there? We shared a moment, people. We shared a moment, but that's that's cool that you got that scripted out so much. Um, okay, so now kind of tying it all back into you know, where do I start with a podcast? You said start with the personas. Is number two then figuring out? What, the audience or the style of the show or the... Number two is the audience. Number two is the audience, okay. Because audience will then determine style for you. Oh. Right, a good marketer means we're doing things based on research. So once we've got our audience, that'll tell us the style. That'll tell us the guests that we're having on if we haven't already determined that. And you do want to make sure you have that fit. But if you're, if you're a good marketer, then you're well-targeted. Mm. And this shouldn't be super difficult to plan for you. I, I hate to say it like that, but... Well, that, what if you're a bad marketer and you need like a little extra... If you're a bad marketer, go learn customer research. Go learn. Okay. Like that's number one skill set. Know who you're trying to sell to. Any, any favorite books on that topic? Um, yeah, I've got one. Uh, the Authority Marketing Playbook. Callforcontent.com slash amp or authoritymarketingplaybook.com. Um, That's and yours? Walk, yeah, and it walks wow. through, like, this is how we do our customer research. Wow. It's got the templates of questions that we ask people. Uh, we interview our clients' customers directly. Yep. Um, and I found that those one-on-one -on -one qualitative interviews work really well for building out personas especially right. for content yeah that sounds a lot like you know the, the adele ravella and like buyer personas and just you got to get on the phone with them right you just got to start yeah. talking but it makes sense though you're the chief interviewer right you're you're the interviewer so whether you're interviewing on a podcast or interviewing customers you want to be out there talking to them and asking them questions exactly it makes sense okay so you you know who you're trying to target that's your audience. How does your audience determine your style? How do you make that, that jump from one to the so, other? So you want to know when they're listening. Um, if they're listening on commutes or when they're working out, those have time periods associated with them. And those have, those have tones of show that work better for them. Right? You don't... You don't want a slow pace show when if most of your listeners are listening when they're on their morning jog. Got it. And you don't want too high paced of a show if most of your listeners are going to be in the car. Got it. <laughs> I, I can imagine, you know, flipping those around would be devastating. But you're right. Like on morning jog, I don't want to hear this. 
I don't want to hear slow music just as much as I don't probably don't want to hear a slow podcast. Right. You want to, and thinking about the music is a really good way. Okay. Uh, because the music that's associated with the show on that intro sets uh, the tone for the rest of the show uh, to come. Right, right. And so if you think about, if you try to figure out what music they're listening to in the car, then you can try to match your show to that music. Right. And you know what? I'm thinking about this show because it's always cool to do that uh, while talking to Yoda of podcasts. And it has this like cool rock, like, like these rock chords. And it's timed in with like the marching of military feet. Same time. It's like, ah, hardcore yeah. marketing. Yeah. Because so it's I probably hardcore. Just, like, stay on top of things. Make sure we keep it like a high tempo. Yeah. I mean, and that's, but that comes across in your personality. Okay. I can tell you're more of a high tempo guy to begin with. Got it. Got it. Got it. Um, are are so we staying that, high tempo or have we gotten like in the weeds? Because I'm just learning I, here. But. I think we get, I think we've gotten a little bit in the weeds. Sure. But um, I mean, when we went down the rabbit hole of planning content with podcasts, uh, that can go on for just about ever. That's, oh, oh, yeah, especially the seasons and whatnot. Okay, so tone. That's really cool. Hadn't thought about that. The, the tone you set. And I suppose the guests you might have might try to affect it, right? Like yeah. you have like a super high tempo guest versus a chill guest. But structure makes a big part of this now. Oh, okay. So, so when you look at help with the tone, even if your guest is chill versus you know, like Elon Musk before smoking pot on that show versus after. Yeah. Okay. Actually. Um, if you've got something like a lightning round of questions where you're asking, you know, five, six, seven short answer, quick back and forth questions or building and really just building in those sort of segments can help speed up a longer show. Oh. And similarly, if you've got a five or 10 minute show, you want it to be pretty highly structured at that point. And so that gives you the ability to increase the pace. So you can reduce length of the entire show or use segmenting to simulate that reduction to keep up the show's tempo. Oh, that's very interesting. What do, I'm going to have to ask you later on where you learn this stuff, but this is like, it totally radio. makes sense. And I think like this is radio. radio. Yeah. Like this go go read books about like radio show planning. Really? Um, if you look up, there's a blog post online somewhere. I think it's a medium article about like the unofficial Gimlet reading list. And I just picked a few books off of that around like audio storytelling and around product around professional radio show production. Wow. And that, They've been doing audio for years. Now, right. they always want to do the high tempo stuff in radio because of the nature of the listener base. Right. But podcasting gives us the option to do that slow burn and extend it out. <laughs> yeah. See, I, I've always been kind of a fan of that longer form conversation, a little bit of a loose structure. So you get, to get some nuggets in there, but then you can kind of have more of a connection with someone than that highly edited thing but that's just that's just what i've preferred but you know to your point there's all different kind of styles and then ways you can hack the long form in different places so that it 
doesn't seem so long or slow or fast. Exactly. Huh. I hadn't thought about the fact that we've been doing audio radio for a long time. Cause when you mentioned there was a reading list, I was like, there's books on this. It hasn't been out that long, but technically all those people in radio were kind of wondering what to do with their careers now have this like resurgence in podcasting. Yeah. And you see like the fiction podcasts mm-hmm. are a new big thing, right? Yeah. Um, I've been listening to, you know, audio dramas and old like murder mysteries and yeah. stuff that my that were radio plays from the 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s um my whole life i mean that's what my dad listened to in the car most of the time really not even music when you're growing up it was like radio yeah. plays well there's some macy gray some <laughs> nice but uh yeah a lot of those like old mysteries Lone Ranger, that sort of thing. A lot of those early TV shows started as radio. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, I guess as a kid, I, I remember things like Teddy Ruxpin and there's some like recorded stories on tape and that kind of thing. And now you're right. It's like audible all day, every day. Yeah. Sometimes nonfiction, but also just the fiction on there. It's just, you know, I guess it depends if you're an audio person or a video person, reading versus hearing. Do you, do you counter that? Or, and we're saying start with audio or start with a, a podcast, but are some people just, they prefer reading it? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I have entire clients where we develop the podcast for content production, but know that their audience is mostly C-level executives. And 80% of the time, they're only going to read the blog post associated with it. Really? So, but, but it's much more efficient to do it in podcast form first and then turn it into content. Exactly. So no one listens to that podcast. That's okay because everyone's going to be reading it anyways afterward. Yeah. It's still cheaper for us to produce that in that process. Wow. What makes it cheaper to do it that way? What about doing the conversation first makes it more efficient? The depth. Uh, when, you're, when you've got two people talking back and forth at that 150, 200 words a minute, yeah, you get so much more done in an hour. And it's already in a pretty conversational manner. With a good interviewer, we've got these big blocks where one person's speaking. And... A lot of times you can pull those out and use them almost verbatim. Just a little bit of cleanup into prose. Just a little bit of cleanup. So transcribing it, getting rid of some ums. And it, but, but to your point, you're going to get a goofy output if you don't have structure already built into your questions, right? So you're, you're almost like doing yourself a favor by planning it out properly. Otherwise, you'd look at this transcript and be like, we're like our transcript – where where is that section they talked about this? It's like over here, and then this. But other your section. transcript's searchable. That's true. That's so you've true. got searchable. it all. Searchable, but you could save yourself some even more time by having some order to that chaos as you go through. Yeah, and so like, but that order doesn't have to be super strict. So like okay. my personal show, I interview Colorado-based entrepreneurs. Cool. And that means, and I've got the same format every episode. It's we're starting with where they made the decision to become an entrepreneur, 
the journey to their current business. Then we use that to look forward, talk about industry trends, transition into tips, and then close out the episode with specific recommendations, and then finally a book recommendation. Oh, wow. And that's a 25 to 35 minute recording. I'm maybe at most going to cut five minutes from the tape. And you give them those questions ahead of time so they're ready to pop in. I mean, they know that's the format we're working. And then I keep it like you. I keep it as a, just a conversation. Got it. Got it. So you kind of warn them ahead of time. This is roughly where we're going, but then you don't need them like reading an answer off a script or anything. Exactly. And even if we have questions, we're unlikely to give them the questions ahead of time. You are or aren't? We, we probably won't. Just because you don't want them to overthink the answer? Yeah, we might give, we'll give headings. Uh, so, but then the questions you don't really want to give somebody necessarily. Because then they're just going to really think about those answers. and We don't want them doing that. I know, but if they really think about it, though, you might get a better sound bite, you know, like a better clip for for later. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I do a different process. We will share questions. Mm-hmm. We'll share everything if we know that the primary use case is going to be written content. Oh, uh, okay. So we want it to be a little flowier, a little more free-flowing. If, uh, if we're publishing audio first. Right, right, right. I was just thinking about those like LinkedIn clips. So you only got 30 seconds, you got to make it impactful. But if you're having a conversation like this, you know, maybe it's a little rambly to be able to soundbite the heck out of it, you know? Yeah, I mean, you, in an hour of conversation and even 30 minutes of conversation, you'll get a soundbite or two. Got it. And that's all you really need for promotion. Got it. Or something's really wrong. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That makes sense. You know, so what was the name of your show you mentioned? You interview Colorado entrepreneurs. So that's Talk with the Top Colorado. Talk with the Top? Yeah. Colorado. Do you have like Talk with the Top, not Colorado? Yeah. I've got St. Louis too. Um. I used to live in St. Louis and then I moved to Colorado. And so St. Louis has a new host who's in St. Louis. Oh, you still have, it's still going in St. Louis. Yeah. Oh, sick. Yeah. And then I'm hoping to put up one more internationally this year for talk with the top. And like, do you own that brand? Like talk with the top. That's your, your thing. I've been using it and nobody sued me. So that's yours now, man. Yeah. Possessions nine tenths or something. I don't even know that's true or not, but. Hoping. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to get all fussy about a podcast just yet. Right. It's not like you're calling it Coca-Cola Colorado, you know? <laughs> yeah, though that's a good show name now that you think about it. <laughs> Man, I can't wait to use that. I've always wanted to know what a cease and desist look like. <laughs> cool. Yeah, the unofficial Bobcat show will get you one too. Right. That would definitely... Where is that podcast, Talk With The Top Colorado? Is that on iTunes that's- and all that? iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Cool. Because I think for someone who wanted to hear a show with order to the chaos, 
you know, maybe the, the direct contrast to what you're listening to right now, that would be interesting to listen to and hear it much more tightly controlled 25 minutes, get in, get out, get all the answers. Yeah. That kind of reminds me of Tim Ferriss and his podcast, you know, like he asks these questions, people have answers. He's going to edit the heck out of it so that if they have a, if they breathe for a second, they're going to cut that out. So it's like a very compact, like efficient, it's like that, that runner's gel that you're going to drink midway through your marathon, just <laughs> compact full of energy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that comes with, there's so many different levels and styles of show production. Yeah. That's, those are conscious decisions that are made to make it sound more like NPR versus make it sound more informal. Right. That's a, that's a big choice. And it's an expensive one. Well, to go NPR, it's expensive, right? Yeah. I mean, as soon as you start editing out those breaths and stuff, it, then you're talking two and a half, three times the length of the episode, maybe more to edit. Yeah. And that's just, that's time and money. Yeah. Just to get rid of that. Um, And yeah, right. So to your point, the style, you know, maybe it's 25 minutes, but if it's highly edited, then it may cost just as long as, you know, like a nice long conversation. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I've always kind of liked, you know, I guess I, you know, it's interesting as you mentioned all these things about how you plan it and, and the way I, I did, did mine was just what I liked listening to, you know? And then from there it was just like, well, I kind of like the Joe Rogans of the world and that long conversation and kind of shooting the, the breeze and taking the convo where it goes and all that. And so that's sort of inevitably what I then wanted to create and, and have those kind of conversations with people. Right. Yeah. What, what kind do you listen to? Do you prefer like the short intense or the, I like long. Um, I don't listen to that many podcasts. I'll be honest. I spend yeah. too much time working with them. Too many times doing them. <laughs> yeah. I end up reading a lot of them. Uh, and for work, you know, I'll listen at time and a half or two times with the transcript up. Totally. Um, so, but I like long, I like in-depth, and I like single topic. Okay, so single topic versus multiple topic. What's the difference? How, how can you tell? Um, Why use the two? So I want some... I really want to listen to an interview with somebody who's a subject matter expert. And I want to listen to them talk about that. I don't, if their life comes up in part of that, that's great. Right. But I don't, I don't care so much about the other things surrounding them so much as I care about their expertise. That's why I'm listening. Right. So like, uh, Shane Parrish's podcast is one that I really like. Shame. The Knowledge Project. Okay. Arnhem Street is the blog. Uh, Stratechery. I like. Uh, that's, a, that's a tech strategy podcast. Okay. From a big tech stock analyst. What's The Knowledge Project? The Knowledge Project is that Farnham Street podcast. What, so, what's that about? What, what's on there? interviewing like really really super cool experts um 
I don't I don't have a better explanation than that, but that's I a cool explanation. Though. It got me intrigued with just that. Yeah, that's a that's a show you'll learn something from every time. Got it. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. Because I know, like Rogan, sometimes he'll have like a the fight companion where they're just watching a fight with some of his buddies. You will learn nothing, but you can kind of just veg out with a bunch of dudes watching UFC fights. Whereas another time, if he's inter- you know he's interviewing a microbiologist, you're gonna learn about you know plants and spores and all sorts of stuff. Um, yeah. But in this case, it sounds like this knowledge project is like a it's like a hit of some cool cool info from a, an expert I, I i totally get what you're talking about there you know i would say this right now we're kind of in a in a single topic podcast w- would you say i i would definitely say so okay because we've kept it on topic too so i guess <laughs> if we started talking about something weird or different then maybe it'd be multi-topic but right now we're just I'm, i mean i'm fascinated too because i love podcasts but kind of learning the the background of it and how to really kind of plan it out in advance is really really cool yeah i i mean for me it's all about the strategy all about the strategy that's where you start start with strategy i agree very cool all right so and i guess at some point then you figured out your personas you figured out your audience is it like just go time just and you figured out what you want to talk about, who you want to have on the show. You just hit record. Is that the next step or? Yeah. 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 You got to, I mean, you're, you're probably going to want to get a microphone. Okay. <laughs> um, Not like your it, laptop sound. Yeah. You're going to want to determine if you're recording in person or not. Okay. Uh, because you'll want a different kit for those, but you're probably going to be recording your podcast remotely. Um, like this one. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're going to want to use a Zoom or a Ringer yep. to get your audio and or video. Do you, is your Colorado one, is it on site or is it Zoom? I do both. Both, yeah. Because I guess so, it's a big state. You, never, you may not be right next door. Yeah. If they're in Denver or they're in Boulder, there's a pretty good chance we'll record in person. Okay. But uh, otherwise, like... It's unlikely. Okay. So we'll just get on the phone or the laptop. And then do you recommend the people editing themselves or should they hire no, a company like pay your, someone. Uh, pay your someone. company does that, right? Yeah, my company does it. Uh, we work with some other companies to get it done since production is not, we like the show planning, but the editing is not a core function for us. Yeah. Uh, so we work with partners for who have better pricing than we could ever get on some of the show concepts. Sure. Um, and I mean, you can get a quality editing editing job done for as low as forty or fifty dollars an episode, and your transcription oh. cost is next is near zero uh, with automated transcription prices the way they are today. Got it. Got it. And what's the name of your company again? And then what's a good link for it while we're on the topic? Callforcontent.com. C-A-L-L-F-O-R-C-O-N-T-E-N-T.com. 
Cool. And I suppose it isn't just the podcast really to your point. It's all that other content that comes from there. Do you help people create that as well? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we like to stay podcast first, but if we're, we have packages where we do the podcast, we do the blog, we do the little videos, we manage the social and we run the ads for that whole thing. Got it. Um, And really, so we have, Anything from doing one piece of the podcasting or content work, uh, well, one piece of the podcasting work, if you just say, hey, I want you to write blog posts for me, I'll recommend you go somewhere else. Right, uh, right, because it's not where you start. You yeah. Start with the podcast. And if, if you're starting with a podcast, you need to listen to this episode and realize that's not where you should go first. You should go, I guess one of the objections you might get too is, well, look, I'm not as goofy as Casey. I'm not as well-spoken as Michael is. Yeah, I can't host this thing. You know, can people, how, how good do people have to be? Do they have to be like, you know, home shopping network hosts? No. If you're, if you are an executive of any sort, mm-hmm. most of your business is talking. Ah. By the time you're in episode three or four, you're going to be good to go. And we've got coaching processes to help people get up to speed as hosts. And we have coaches that we'll bring in to help if needed, who have experience as professional podcasters or interviewers or broadcasters. Jeez. Jeez. So there's, there's, you can learn from people at the same time. If you're an executive, you're, you're hosting meetings anyways, you're, you're having hard conversations, you're having easy conversations And I guess it really ties back to the audience too, you know, being able to align to them. Yeah. I mean, you want to speak their language. Right. And so we, if we're working with a company, we want somebody ideally in leadership to be that host for the show. Right. Not some third party person or like, have you ever hosted someone else's show? I have not, but we've brought in hosts to do that. And then that really only works if we've got a really tight show concept got and then it. we bring in a host who's a subject matter expert um, to work there. And the case, got we've it. got a few hosts who are salespeople so that way they can bird dog for the client if so needed. What does that mean? Uh, that's, so that's drumming up leads um, oh, so the so host is a salesperson. So the host has, yeah. So the host has sales experience, and then they'll prospect the guest and refer them back as a lead to the company, like on the on the podcast or as a part of the whole process. As a part of the process. Okay. So we've got those ten minutes before and after. <laughs> Seriously. Oh yeah. Wow. So the That's. I don't know if that's cool or dark or sneaky or brilliant at the same time i mean it's made a lot of six-figure shows i'll tell you that really yeah if you're working b2b yeah i mean that's a that's a cost-effective way to do high quality lead generation because you can position your show if you've got some audience with it people actually want to be on it and you can reach the prospects you're trying to reach wow but even to have a salesperson on there like it's I mean, it's one thing to prospect, but another thing to have like, you got, you have your hunter with a spear right there, right? Hosting and asking the questions. So Michael, after we get off the show, we're going to talk to you about your Salesforce account, you know, and like, man, 
Brilliant. Yeah. I mean, what if you asked on air? So walk me through your sales and marketing automation process. How do those work together? Right. What are you using? What are you using? I'll use Pardot. Okay. How's that going for you? <laughs> Not yeah. so well. Blah, 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 blah. Well, hey, we, we'll talk afterward about that. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, your whole show can be around that concept. And if wow. you're a good interviewer, you can make it interesting for those people. Right. Right, right, right. And I suppose, you know, chatting for a while too helps build some rapport with someone more so than just some telephone call. Yep. And asking them to come on the show, touch point one. And then you've got the Franklin effect coming into play. They're doing something nice for you by coming on the show. You're doing something nice for them by featuring them. Cognitive dissonance starts to kick in. And suddenly they're like, man, I like this guy. We just chatted, had a friendly conversation for 45 minutes. Yeah, or an hour, 15. Yeah, we, you know, maybe you've got a pre-interview call set up a couple right. of weeks before because that's just best practice for a show to begin with. Yeah. But it also lines up perfectly with the podcast-based sales process. Jeez. Jeez, that's fantastic. I guess there's only so long a runway until everyone thinks that you're being invited on a podcast to get sold to. We got a year before that happens. I, I, I mean, I think we're getting there with some categories. We're getting there already. Um, yeah, it's you've you've got to do a really good job of making your podcast professional, right? To make that work, having that right. pre-show call, having an assistant manage the process. Right. All these are little things that signal I've got a real show. Right. And you want a real show at the end. For sure. For sure. Because now I'm thinking of like all the, all the previous guests that I've talked to, right? they're going to hear this show and be like, oh, okay, so I know what you're trying to do. I'm like, no, I wasn't trying to do that. But, um, but yeah, interesting. Yeah. I mean, I'll set up. I've thought about just setting up a whole sales team of those, uh, you know. And yeah. putting that out as a package, podcast network for lead gen, for your get five shows for your sales team to record episodes under, wow. and get out there. But uh, especially with ABM, right? Like the whole idea of account based marketing, you're targeting your, your big whales, you're targeting your big fish. It you wouldn't do that at scale with ten thousand, but you might do that with your top one hundred. Exactly, and if you've got that ten thousand list then that might be the custom audience you're working <laughs> along with interviewing that top 100. And that, that's actually kind of the secret sauce behind our authority marketing ad strategy. Really? Is we build that list. We build a, the list of accounts out. Okay. And then we tie in key accounts to interviews and use that with the promotion to target to a show to an audience of sub 10,000. Got it. So it doesn't have to be for the world. You don't have to have a million listeners. You just want to, your key 10,000 and maybe you're interviewing your key 100. Yeah. I mean, if you've got a 150, 200 listeners, that's, I'd bet that's more than you've had in a room for a talk before. That's true. Right. <laughs> Unless you're a dream force, you probably haven't had that many people you know, listening. Yeah. And that's, that's I mean, I'm that, putting it like that's killer. Thanks. That's, 
that's the thing I'm still trying to drum into clients' heads, quite honestly. People come to me for guest appearances, and they say, I want to show on podcasts, but I only want to go on shows with five or 10,000 downloads per episode. That's right. cutting out 80, 90% of the market. Right. And those little 200, 300 episode shows, or sorry, download shows, those 300 downloads from the executive coaches show where he's doing his show mostly to network with people who might be potential leads, <laughs> his 200, 300 listeners are likely like his client base and their close right. network. Like CEOs that are decision makers. That's exactly what I want to talk to. You don't want to talk to 10,000 randos. You want to talk to those highly targeted ones. That's another good point in terms of size of show. You know, um, like for ours, you know, we have humble beginnings, but we talk to B2B marketers in North America and Finland and a couple other cool places. I see you out there downloading on Spotify, but, um, but for the most part, yeah, you know, a concentrated area and a certain type of person listening to it and that's okay. Um, and it's not, you know, 10,000 yet, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a core group of people specific to who some people want to talk to. Yeah. And as long as it's that audience, then, and it's a good audience. Yeah. That's again, going back to why I love B2B, bigger numbers. Yeah. And then it's worth doing that. You're not selling sneakers. You're selling massive IT software or something to that effect. Yeah. If when you're selling those, you know, $50,000, $100,000 engagements, then two, three hundred starts to sound really good. Yeah. Two, three hundred super qualified prospects that ha that's listening to you on their way to work. That's fantastic. Yeah. And my the close rate that you'll see from people coming in through podcasts, I guarantee is going to be one of your highest converting channels. Really? What? Just because they've been listening, they're, they've gone through a, um, the sales cycle on their own by just listening to your show over and over and over again, I guess. Yeah, they already trust you. When they're yeah, actually trust. getting in contact, they're already having conversation with you, right? This, the podcasts are conversations. Right. And so they're already in conversation with you before you speak with them. Right. They're judging you. Is this, is this person cool? Can I trust them? You know, what kind of feelings are they sharing versus, you know, are they advocating, you know, cheating people or whatnot? So they've already kind of made a judgment call on, are you a good person? That's interesting. You, you, you kind of built in trust by the time you get to someone from yeah. a podcast source. And That's that, man. It, again, it reminds me of speaking engagements. That's really my best comparison. I might not get many people coming up to me afterwards saying, hey, I want to buy from you. Right. But the ones that do are, you know, I get an 85% close rate on these. You know, that's a really good comparison because I've gone to some local user groups before where you maybe had, you know, a small conference room with 12 people in it, you know, or 15, but I was happy to drive there and go to that event you know, because it was the right people in that right room. Yeah. Only one of them needs to buy to make that a very worthwhile. <laughs> pay for the gas and your time. And, you know, one person purchases and you paid for probably a whole year of doing those events if it's a B2B type cycle. Yeah. Well, this is sick, man. This is the point where, where I ask you, like, who are you? And I know you don't necessarily want to know about you, but I think the people who've just had their minds blown about podcasts are 
really curious because I know I am. Like, take us back. Like, little Michael, did you know you were going to get into podcasts and business? And, you know, take us back. Business, yes. Uh, when, I, when I was growing up in third grade, I said, when I grow up, I want to be a businessman. Really? Do you uh, write like businessman on like a, with crayon somewhere? Yeah. That's and awesome. Me in a gray suit. Really? Uh, oh, yeah, with a briefcase. Oh, yeah, right on. Uh, you know, classic businessman. Look. Right. Like IBM uh, businessman kind of guy. Yeah, except maybe not a red tie. No red tie. Got it. Yeah. Um, you just knew that? Was there something that kind of attracted you to that at that point? Or? Yeah, I mean, my dad was an entrepreneur and is a real estate broker. Yeah. And so was... And then several generations of his family are all entrepreneurs. Yep. And it's a streak that runs through that whole side. My grandfather on my mom's side wow. was also an entrepreneur and a grandmaster plumber. He took over that business from his father. So I, it, it was also the one thing I was told that I shouldn't do. <laughs> don't start your own business. No, they said don't do it. Right. Don't, don't take that risk. Go get a good corporate job, get the education. So naturally, I did none of those things. Right. It's fu it's funny how we don't listen, right? I, for for me, all of my generations were all military, and they're like, "Grow your hair long, you know, don't join the military." Of course, you know, it's like <laughs> no one listens to that. So you didn't listen. Yeah. No, never listen because if everyone's telling you not to do something in your family because they've all done it there's a reason why they've all done it and it's not right. just legacy. I think there's, there's definitely something in my family's genes that makes us better working for ourselves than for somebody else. Well, that's another way of putting it too. You know, sometimes you're like the worst employee ever, but you're a pretty cool entrepreneur. Yeah. And so I started, you know, selling lemonade and candy bars in school. Sure. Candy bars were big business. Uh, we yeah. were making a few hundred a week off of that. How much did you sell the bars for? Dollar. Dollar, right? What'd you get them for? Like 50 cents. 50 cents? Yeah. Yeah. There, Sometimes it's a, 25. Transaction, right? I mean, I sold stuff in the Boy Scouts, whatnot. It was, popcorn's hard. You have to like, come back for it. But you know, drinks are weird because you're making them. But candy bars, like boom, boom, you know? Snack. Yeah. Go. And I'd carry a briefcase, uh, like a fundraising briefcase of candy bars around in high school um and oh, we yeah. actually in school oh yeah in school so i had my advertising with me everywhere wow um we actually we ended up having three guys to a school we were doing about 800 a week at the end whoa, whoa, whoa wait so you were in school and you were carrying a briefcase and you had two other guys in that same school with you and like anytime someone wanted they just hit you up hey man Yo, Michael, give me some Kit Kats. Yeah, well, we try to post up at the major intersections. Oh, sick, dude. It, 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 how did you, you had to negotiate with the school so that they would like let you do that? Or was it completely rogue? This was totally rogue. I mean, they can't nice. stop a fundraiser. True, true. Um, and actually, the football coach got really angry when we started moving in on his turf because he would sell candy and chips oh, uh, right outside his classroom door. What, he, he personally would sell them? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a major fundraiser. Kind of so a weird this, racket for the football coach. And this was right around the time when they were pulling all the junk food out of the vending machines. 
So it was perfect timing for us. We were the only source for a lot of this candy. Jeez. Um, yeah, we, like I said, we turned a tidy profit. And that was in one school. How many schools were you in? Two. So what, was it like a the nearby other high school or? Yeah. Yeah. So there was, it was a different district, but a much <sighs> larger school. We never really got in there quite as well. Sure. I think not having me on site made totally. a big difference. Um, yeah, that, that was my first try at expansion in, uh, sales and marketing. We ran customer loyalty programs. <laughs> like candy punch cards and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd mark uh, it down on the inside, buy 10, get one free, uh, run promotions on things that weren't moving well, all yep. that sort of stuff. Yeah. Nobody wants the Mars bars. So you're like, Hey, we got a, we got a two for one of Mars bars today. Exactly. And you get to know your sales route. So I'm hitting the same class schedule every day or every other day. And I know different people are interested in different things. So maybe if I know this guy in physics class, he only buys deals. Then I make sure that my box always has at least one deal running. What? Dude, you're like a sugar dealer. Yeah. Oh, oh man. We had... There were some looking back that I, I probably was. Uh, and we had, you know, I'd buy a box of king-size Twix bars once in a while. Yeah. Because that's the biggest candy bar. Is it the, the four-pack the four or something? Yeah. Yeah. And those were 75 cents a bar. So we weren't really making a profit on them. Oh, no, you weren't. But people always come hitting you up. If they know you have them sometimes, then they always want to see, hey, you got those in stock? No, but I've got this other thing. <laughs> That's like what Walmart does, man. They get you in the store with a super low deal and then you buy something else at a good markup. Exactly. That's crazy. That, you know, like that's what I think more drug dealers should do is just sell candy bars. I mean, use that entrepreneurial spirit and sell something that arguably is hazardous as well, but you know, it's just as addictive. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, that's. And And legal. Yeah. Yeah. But I think if they're already selling the drugs, we're past that point. Right. Yeah. The markup on those is probably a little higher than uh, 50 cents per uh, Snickers. Yeah. You got to sell whole boxes of candy. At once. <laughs> you got to sell a lot of candy. But that's cool. So you're just doing that early on, just kind of hustling and trying things out. And, and you're really learning customer experiences and sales strategies just from trial and error. Yeah. And then I went to college. Started studying economics. You still candy in college? Uh, no. No? No, not the, not the same business. They sold cheesecake in the lobby. Like, you can't compete. Uh, wait, cheesecake? Where'd you go? You went to... Uh... I, so, I dropped out of school. And oh, then okay. I started back up. So, college number one was College of Worcester in Ohio. Okay. Um, small liberal arts school. That's where they had the cheesecake uh, in the like coffee shop cafe. Uh, oh, like, Oh, I see. There's a whole cafe. So yeah. if you wanted to treat, you weren't in high school anymore. You would go get a little coffee, a little cheesecake. Exactly. Like, sweet. So it's hard. I, I get it. Mine had, had some stuff in the lobby eventually too. And it's hard to compete with that. Yeah. So that, that business wasn't really there, but if you happen to have a fake ID, be the only guy in the dorm with one, then maybe you and your roommate could back up a Jeep full of alcohol. To oh, the you upgraded, you fiend. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> that's awesome. So, you know, it's funny. You, so you're thinking like business the whole time you're at school and then maybe a class or two, if you could be bothered. Yeah, I was not, I'm not great at school. Got it. Um, yeah. Same here. I, I feel you're like, oh, this is really exciting. I'm set, trying all these things, doing all these business things. And it's like, huh, I got to go to class. What would you study when you first uh, got in there? Economics and Russian. Russian. Yeah. Reason? Did you just like red, Hunt for Red October a lot? So I was planning on doing French, but I tested out of the first semester. Oh. And I really wanted to take a language. And then we had a fantastic Russian professor. And I was like, man, this language is awesome. So I kept on with it. It seems tough though, right? Just different font, different letters and everything. Yeah. I mean, you get used to that. I did Latin in high school and uh, then okay. started French towards the end. And so after your first language or two, it gets easier. And Latin's really hard. Jeez. So is that something you just kind of always had a little passion on the side for language? Yeah, definitely. Sweet. We'll have to retape this in a different language and yeah, just narrate it over. You narrate it over somewhere else. Okay, so so you're in school and eventually you dropped out because it was just like having too much fun, selling too much. Yeah, so I started trading stock. No kidding. Um, yeah, that was fun. I was inter I interned at Stiefel Nicholas uh, Middle Market Investment Bank. Okay. Um, and then took a semester off, went to a coding boot camp out in Mountain View, California. Wow. Uh, and got hired by a startup when I was there. Uh, of we, course, right? Yeah, that's what I dropped out of school. Uh, spent the next about a year and a half with them, raised a little over a million, really got to cut my teeth in real business and high-pressure situations. Sure. Uh, got to learn more about sales and marketing. Yep. Realized that I hated like writing code. So I <laughs> yeah. quickly moved away from that and was like, man, technology enabled operations, sales and marketing. That's where I'm heading. Yeah. So I started doing B2B growth strategy consulting. That's cool, man. You know, we share kind of a similar past. Like I went to school for computer science just because of AOL and yeah. I liked what, HTML, and, but it was like, it took me deeper and deeper from coding, high, like coding processors. I was like, whoa, like where are all the people I can interact with here? Yeah. Switched so over to marketing. It was a lot more fun. And now you understand how the ad network actually works. That's true. That's true. And I'm not scared by cookies. Yeah. <laughs> and I won't hire a marketer if they can't write a bit of code. Interesting. Like what how how much code? Like a little HTML or JavaScript or how how hardcore? Um, I mean, I expect you to be comfortable working with tags and cookies and all that and working with the code. Uh if you can't put together a basic website in Squarespace. Okay, yeah. Um, just don't even bother getting. But do you have to be like a CSS ninja? And no. You have to, okay. Hire a designer for that. Some of that's beyond me too. I was like, ah, let me let me find someone with sick design skills that can make it look yeah. pretty. And I don't expect them to be like me, where I don't expect them to write a Python script mm. to do something. Or hey, this API integration doesn't exist. Build it. Right. I'm not going to tell you to do that. But right. If I say that, I expect you to know what I'm talking about. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. Sick. So that's how you got into marketing was just this, I mean, you were in the, the hustle and bustle in, Mount, in Mountain View and like Silicon Valley. You're, you're in it. Yeah. And then I moved to the South. Like how south? Up, south? Yeah. South Carolina. Oh, wow. Columbia uh, with Jeez. the startup and then Chattanooga. 
Yeah, and then Chattanooga, and I left the startup while I was in Chattanooga. Um, and that's when I got into podcasting also. Got it. Was I had a growth strategy client who was a podcast network based out of Atlanta. Oh, wow. So they were doing it, you just kind of started looking into it. But you must yeah. have, it must be this, the books you're reading, like, you know, the Gimlet reading list, because it, it's not like you just grew up in a radio history. You just kind of, you know, do you expose yourself to it and dove in? Yeah. I mean, I, I like to think I'm pretty good at learning on my own. Yeah. Um, and that, and I put a lot of time into, I learned about marketing and content marketing and SEO. And then I got around to learning about audio content and what had happened there. And I got lucky where I grew up listening to some of those radio stories and stuff. So I knew the possibilities ahead of time. Right. Um, And then I learned about transcription and I knew cost of transcription was going down. Yeah, way down. And so I started thinking about that maybe a year before. And then transcription went from like a dollar to 10 cents to now zero. (laughs) Really? You know, like 18 months. Jeez. Um, So when that cost jump hit, I was like, this is it. We're ready. (laughs) Yeah. It's time. Awesome, man. Yeah. That is sick. What, what, so, so where do you, what's, what's the thing now? Like, where do you go from here? You just get more and more clients helping launch B2B podcasts and. Yeah. So now we've got, we're just finishing up a web redesign. Cool. Got three distinct lines of business now. Podcasting services, authority marketing for the B2B content work. Yep. And then podcast consulting and monetization, which is focused around audience growth, sponsorship searches, and monetization strategies for shows. Wow. And we've got our white label podcasting business has been going strong for a few months now. We just rolled out a new version of that program where I think we're the biggest provider of white label podcasts in the world, mostly what's because it's a white label podcast. So we partner with say an agency or mm-hmm. a podcast production company. Yep. And we will provide a number of our services but under their banner. So oh, clients wow. pay them. They never know they're working with call for content. Got it. Which is great for the big agencies who want to kind of keep that client relationship. Exactly. That's cool. And so that's, that's sort of been our secret weapon because it lets us roll stuff out. Nobody has to know about it. It's all NDA. Right. And it lets us test things and work on stuff where we can stay more under the radar and carve out our piece of the market in the business of podcasting and because we're not in we're not in the podcast production business long term right cuz it's not about the production i mean there's apps out there all day every day yeah and eventually a machine will be able to make your podcast sound good oh right like ai can be trained to do that right that's something that it can do so really it's all about i mean your the amount of strategy coming out of your ears and mouth today has been fantastic so i can see that's the real value you bring thanks and yeah that's and that's where we're trying to focus makes sense where can people find you what kind of events are you are you going to events or is mostly virtual and what kind of urls are you at that we can mostly virtual if you're at a conference about digital marketing or marketing in general and it's in colorado 
there's a 50-50 shot I'm going to be there. Okay. Uh, same for St. Louis. But outside of that, um, I appear on podcasts a lot. Mm-hmm. You can always talk to me at office hours. We've, if you've got a podcast, we've got a special community just for podcasters who cool. are professional podcasters looking to really make money doing it and serious about it. Right. Um, and we have master classes there that I appear on sometimes. Jeez. And then we put out content, put out a lot of content. Find me on my podcast. Find me on LinkedIn. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's where I live because I'm a B2B marketer. That's where I assume all B2B marketers live. On LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, man. Well, this has been fantastic. I, thank you so much for coming on here and just sort of sharing with me and you know, let, letting me sort of interrogate the hell out of you when it comes to podcasts. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I'm happy to do it anytime. Yeah, man. It sounds like, I mean, you kind of live, sleep, and breathe this stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love it. I really do. I really appreciate it. And, you know, and for everyone listening, if you learn something, and I know you did because I literally have two pages front and back <laughs> of, uh, of notes, then share this with someone so you could be a thought leader and be sharing content yourself and get this in their hands. Um, but, Michael, I mean, thank you again for being on here. Appreciate it. Yeah. And, like I said, happy to do it anytime. Anytime. It's a lot of fun. Good stuff. Well, that's it, guys. Hey, thanks for joining us. It's been the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will catch you all next time. Uh-huh.